Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. To come into your house to worship you, to sing your praises, to celebrate your birthday again. Thank you, Lord, that we can do that uh, on a regular basis, that we don't have to wait just for the day, for your gift to us is amazing. And we pray this Christmas that we would see that gift unpackaged again in a way that would move us toward you. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be praised in all that's said and done this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. And I I just want you to think for a minute. I know this is difficult. It's early in the morning. But uh, think for a minute. Uh, What's the best gift you've ever received? And then, more importantly, who did it come from? Or from whom did it come, to be more accurate? What's the best gift you've ever received, and from whom did it come? And just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, because you see, Mary is going to be offered a gift this morning, and I wonder how she would see such a gift. We start in verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the kingdom, I'm sorry, of the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Uh, Thank you that you have come to meet with us this morning and have already begun to speak to our hearts as we have sung praises to you, lifted up our needs and concerns, and all the praises that we hear as we see your hand at work. And we pray, Father, this morning that we would continue to see your hand and hear your voice and respond to you. Lord, we thank you that you give us your word and the power of your word. We pray, Father, that it would become a part of us this morning. That when we leave here, you might not just indwell us, but, but work through us in your miraculous way. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And pray that together this morning, we would praise your name. And that we would respond as you would call us. Father, help us to hear you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have been 
talking about breaking the silence and how God has stepped in and broken, had broken that silence that had lasted for well over 400 years. And he began to speak in powerful ways. And the first, the first uh, Sunday of Advent, we began to talk about how uh, there was almost like a dramatic pause. And, and God gave this space so that when he spoke, he would speak the ultimate word. And that ultimate word was Emmanuel, God with us. And so it allows us to speak hope. And then last week, we, we talked about that word of reconciliation, where God began to speak to how, how he was going to heal the brokenness in our lives and in the lives of, uh, of others and in our relationships and, and bring us to a place where we could actually experience peace, so, so we can actually speak peace. Uh, th- this morning, um, I want to go a little different direction with breaking the silence. You know, usually when we think of breaking the silence, um, or I should say usually when I think about breaking the silence, I, I see silence as kind of an uncomfortable thing, uh, an uneasiness. However, there-, there are those times when silence is, is really comfortable, isn't it? Um, it- you may remember, uh, perhaps, the- those times when you were in love, and if you're not in love right now. <laughs> and and, and do, do you remember talking on the phone? Uh, if you're older. Now they don't do that, so I don't know how this works now. But back in the day, um, you'd talk on the phone, and, and when you ran out of things to say, you just said goodbye and hung up. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, you, you stayed on the phone, and, and it was quiet, and, and nobody had anything to say, but, but you didn't want to hang up. And so, of course, you didn't want to be the first to hang up in particular, but you didn't want to hang up. And notice how I'm holding my phone. That shows you how I'm <laughs> not quite. Uh, <laughs> how's that? Uh, and so uh, there, there are those times when, when silence is actually somewhat comfortable. And it's comfortable when love is involved. Because when you know you're loved, then it's okay. You don't have to say anything. Now, sometimes that gets us in trouble, right? Because we think, well, they know I love them. Well, at some point, you do have to say something, right? Um, you, you have to communicate still. But there are those periods of time where you can just be together, and it's just wonderful being together. Nobody has to say anything. You just have to be together. Why? Because you're in love. And love changes everything, doesn't it? Love just changes the way we respond it changes the way we hear it changes what we hear so when God began to speak again he came to a woman by the name of Mary and I believe in our scripture passage this morning and I believe it's just apparent in so many different ways that Mary understood that she is loved And because of that, that changes the way Mary responds. You see, every time, every Christmas, I read this story, and I try to put myself in Mary's shoes, which is difficult in many different ways, but but I, I try to put myself there, and I think, how would I respond if God called me to do something so incredibly dangerous, so incredibly difficult, so incredibly life sacrificing? If God called me to step out and do the impossible as he is calling Mary to do, something that was going to change her life forever, 
would I be as willing? I mean, I'm always amazed. What is it she says? She says it the same way every year. I, I, I expect her one year to say, are you nuts? But, but how does she put that? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answers. May it be to me, as you have said. Doesn't that, doesn't that surprise anybody else? I am amazed by that. Until I stop and look again. And I realize that something's going on in Mary's life that makes her, that, that helps her to come to that place in such an easy way. And I believe it's the fact that she is loved. Love changes everything. Uh, you know, she and Joseph uh, were pledged to be married. And, and some people would say, well, you know, back in that day, of course, it was an arranged marriage. This isn't something like today where, you know, they go around and they fall in love and then they, then they you know, go through the dating process. It's not the way it worked back then. Back then, your parents decided uh, ladies, your parents decided. How, how'd you like that? I know Livy would be all for that. Yeah, have her, <laughs> no, she's shaking her head. No way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can you, can you imagine? Uh, uh, your parents deciding who you're going to marry. A- and so the, the gentleman uh, would come to your dad and would sit down with your dad, and your, your dad and this guy would make a deal. Um, and then there, there was this process that followed that. Um, where you actually did have a choice. Now, in some places, they try to tell you they, that you didn't, but you actually did have a choice. And it was interesting, the way they did the choice was they, they pulled out uh, some, uh, a glass of, of, of liquid wine, and they would offer, the guy would offer the drink to this young girl. And she would then either drink it or not drink it. If she drank it, then the deal was done. And they went through a ceremony, a pledging ceremony. And it was called, we call it, the, the, the scriptures call it an engagement. Or they were pledged to be married. The fact is they went through the marriage ceremony. But the woman continued to live with her parents until the guy got the house finished. You see, the guy would then begin to build a house. And once he got the house done, it usually took about a year. Then he would make his way to the bride's house. And there'd be all kinds of festivities and, and uh, people along the way singing and rejoicing. It was a whole village thing, by the way. It didn't just happen, just, you know, a couple in their families. It's the whole village comes out. Hey, he's done with the house. He's headed to the bride's house. And everybody would come, up, come out and they'd cheer and they'd rejoice. And, and, and he'd get to the house and they'd have this big party. Lasted a couple days, sometimes three, sometimes five. And then they'd go home. And then they were fully married. So it was a process, almost a year's worth of process. Unlike today where, you know, you you decide yesterday and you get married today and it's all done, right? (laughs) I hope not. Uh, But but where you have this process of dating, they didn't necessarily have the dating process. So, but, but what I want you to see in this passage is there's something going on here between Joseph and Mary that, that we really need to look closely at. Because you see, there's something tender about Joseph in this story. You'll hear more about that next week, but, but you remember, right? Joseph had to decide, and he obviously had this caring heart towards Mary. And so he decides just to divorce her quietly. You remember all that. I don't need to go into all that, but I just want you to see that he had a heart for her. I believe that Joseph actually loved her. 
And because of that, Mary has this strength that, that comes from being loved. She goes to Joseph. I can't imagine how that conversation went. Hey, Joseph, I got news for you. And I wonder, did she wait till she was showing? Or did she tell him beforehand? How all did that work out? We're not given those details. But somehow, as she tells him, as she shares with him, he doesn't immediately say, I'm done with you. He takes some time. But why? Because his heart is toward Mary. And Mary's heart is toward him. Do you notice when the angel comes to her? her what's her question? When he says, you're going to have a child, what's her question? Anybody awake yet? Yeah, how, how's that going to happen when I, I'm a virgin? How, how can that happen? It can't happen. And, and frequently we read that and we think, well, what she's trying to figure out is the logistics, which may be part of it. But my guess is she's also wondering, I am faithful to my husband. How will this be? And you see, that's really what love's all about, isn't it? We see Joseph being faithful to Mary. And we see Mary being faithful to Joseph. And that faithfulness begins to change everything. Because it binds them together, even through the most difficult times of their marriage. You see, they started out with some difficult times, right? They didn't start out with an easy walk. Uh, it's not like they got married and, you know, for the first year they were that honeymoon thing, you know, where they're madly in love and da 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 No, they didn't experience any of that. They stepped right into it and faced the difficulties of life right on the get-go. And they were able to do it because of their faithfulness to one another, because they truly loved one another. Mother Teresa said once, we are called upon not to be successful but to be faithful. I just want you to keep that in the back of your head. Just keep in the back of your head that faithfulness and love go hand in hand. You with me? Now, Mary, Mary isn't just loved by Joseph. Uh, the angel comes to her and says, uh, you who are highly favored. I, I love that phrase. You who are highly favored. What, what does that mean? You ever have a, a, a family that you know that has a favorite child? Uh, the favored child. Everybody knows they're the favored child. Uh, one family that, that I know fairly well, uh, when their mother died, uh, shared with me that they, they had done a, a scientific uh, experiment to find out which of them was mom's favorite. They, they knew, but they wanted to prove it. So they actually did an experiment where, where they, they weren't allowed to have food in the, in the living room. And the oldest boy went in and and he got in trouble, and the second child went in, and he got in trouble, and, and then the youngest went in, sat there and ate right in front of mom, and nothing was said. <laughs> and they were like, see, see? And, and, and of course, when, when they confronted mom on it, she just smiled, and you know, I, <laughs> but she loved them all, and she wasn't a favorite in that. He was the youngest. He got away with things. How many of you here are the youngest? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me. You know, you know what's really awesome, though? Have you ever seen those families where everyone, every child is a favored child? It's like every child thinks that they're the favorite. Isn't that the way it should be? That, that mom and dad work it just right so that all the kids think that they are like the most special kid in the world. 
That's the way God is with his children. When he sees you, he sees you as one of his favorite. And, and he comes to Mary. And Mary obviously has this relationship with God already. Did you notice that? You who are highly favored. And by the way, the word there, favored, means, uh, can mean graced. It's not something that Mary has done to earn that favor. Sometimes we think, oh, well, she must have been a really good person before that. The scripture doesn't say that. It just simply says that God looks at her and had favor upon her. You see, he had grace toward her, and that's the way God is towards us. It's not that we have to be good to get God's favor. God looks at us and loves us, and because he loves us, we are considered his favored. The question is, are we willing to accept that love and live in that favor, or are we going to live in our own, uh, our own way, in our own love, where we don't experience love really at all? Mary, you are highly favored. You see, Mary was greatly loved by God, and, and because she was highly favored, the angel says, the Lord is with you. That's how you know. You are favored because the presence of the Lord is with you. It's an incredible thing to be blessed and highly favored by God because he comes to Mary and, and, and he wants her to know. And, and I love her, I love that way the scripture says it. It says she was greatly troubled is the word that the New International Version uses. I prefer the word perplexed uh, because that's, that's the nuance there in, in the Greek word. Uh, she was greatly perplexed um, by this greeting. What does this mean? You know, when, when God approaches people, um, I, I love the way he, he challenges them just in the greeting. Do you remember when he came to Gideon in the Old Testament? Uh, you remember that story? Gideon's hiding there in the threshing floor and uh, trying to thresh some grain and, and just to get some grain. The enemy's all around, and, and if they see him, they'll take his grain. So he's trying to do something there to, you know, and, and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, yo, mighty warrior. <laughs> That's a paraphrase. <laughs> it's like, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, who are you talking to? I'm hiding. And you're calling me, do you see what God does? When Joshua took over the people of God, poor Joshua, he'd watch Moses deal with the people of God all those years, and, and I'm sure he was thinking, man, this is the last job I really want. And God comes to him, and he says, be strong and courageous. And I'm sure Joshua was saying, God, wait a minute, look at these people you gave me. Uh, be strong and courageous. You see, when God meets with people, he takes them to the next step. He takes them to believe that all things are possible. He takes them to go beyond themselves, give them the strength to do what he's calling them to do. He looks at them and he gives them his presence and he says, see, let's go. And if you're loved, you're willing to go. That's why Mary is so quick to say, if God is with me, if God is with me, this is what she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I love this picture because we, we frequently think of being in the presence of God as a peaceful thing, and it is. It's an incredible peaceful thing because when God's presence is with us, we know all is going to turn out all right. Agreed? Is that the promise? right? That in the end, it'll all be okay. But it's the in-between time that scares the bejeebies out of me. 
right? Because I know that when we're going through the storm, uh, Jesus sometimes gives me the helm, and he's right behind me saying, yeah, go there, and look at the storm that's going on, and look at the face of this woman who is firmly planted, ready to steer through the storm with Jesus leading the way. You see, Mary, knowing that she's loved, says, hey, I can, I can weather this storm, and it's going to be crazy. You, you know, as well as I know, that she knew that the punishment for adultery was stoning and that she was going to be accused of adultery. She was putting her life on the line. She was saying, okay, God, because you love me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's an incredible place to be where you know so well that you are loved. And God's love is this unconditional love where he looks at you and says, I favor you. I can do great things in your life. Put your trust in me. All will be well. We're going to get through this together. Most other religions tell you, if you put your trust in our religion, then then you won't have to face the trials of life. Jesus never said that. God never said that. God says, you put your trust in me, you're going to face some incredible struggles in your life but i'm going to take you through it and you're going to see incredible things happen through it you see mary wasn't just loved by joseph she was clearly loved by the lord and because of that she can say how whatever you want to do i'll i'll go there and the last thing i want you to see is is this love is a love that is eternal it's not just for now Um, Mary is going to have this king. She's going to bear the son of the most high. Did you catch that? The son of the most high. The son of God. And, And John tells us that in the beginning was this word, Jesus. In the beginning. In other words, Jesus has always been. It's not that Jesus all of a sudden appeared at his birth. Jesus has always existed. Jesus' love is eternal. It started at the beginning. And it will go all the way beyond the end of this world and into eternity. It's not just a momentary thing. When Jesus says he loves you, he doesn't just love you for today. And he doesn't just love you when you're good. And he doesn't just love you when, you, when you're smart or when, when you excel. He doesn't just love you when you do it right. He loves you, whatever the circumstance, he loves you for eternity. And he proved that, of course. When he died on the cross, he proved that he loved you. He loved you enough to give everything he had for you. That's what love is all about. John said that... Um, there is no greater love than for one to lay down their life for another. And Jesus, when he walked on this earth, King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus, who was the almighty God. We just sang it, isn't he? Counselor, almighty God, Prince of Peace, walked on this earth, could have, could have called all the angels to protect him. Could have 
struck down all those who would offend him, who would hurt him, who would beat him, could have, because we are sinners, have decided to condemn us for all eternity, but rather because of his love, was willing to give all that he had so that we could be forgiven, saved, in a relationship with him for eternity, so that we could really know what love is all about. Not temporarily, but forever. And love changes everything, you see. Because of his love, he was willing to give it all. And he gave it all for you and for me. Here he is. Having died, he rose again from the dead. And the scripture says he now sits at the right hand of God. He is the king, eternal, forever. Did you notice uh, what the angel said to Mary? His kingdom will what? What's it say? Real loudly. Never end. Never end. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a lot of people in the world today that's trying to tell us that the church is done. That the church is a failure, that the church is not going to survive. The scripture tells us that the church will not only survive, but it will be victorious. The people of God will not be overcome by evil, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The people of God will always be able to share the love of God. The, the church will never end. God's reign will be eternal. Jesus' kingdom will never end. When we come to Christmas, uh, we, we see a baby in a manger. And it sometimes looks like, wow, there, there's not much power in that spot. Because our world has taught us that power has to do with influence, has to do with wealth, has to do with uh, strength. And what we see in Jesus Christ is the true power in our world. The true power is when love begins to reign. Because it's love that changes everything. You with me? And God's love through Jesus Christ is eternal. Never ends. Never ends. Talk about a future. Talk about a hope. And I always, I always think, you know, Mary is there with that baby. Does she understand the fullness of that hope? The angel has given her all kinds of things. I, how does she swallow all this? Can you imagine? Your son is going to be a king who reigns forever. You call his name Jesus, which was a common name, but also was the name Joshua in the Hebrew. Uh, obviously a name of, of power, a conquering king. And my guess is if, if the angel had come to me, I would be saying, man, this guy is going to be the be-all and end-all of the world. And then she stood at the foot of that cross. And although, I, you know, I've dealt with many grieving families, and I know at that moment what Jesus said probably kind of went in one ear and out the other, but a little of it, I'm sure, stuck. And, she said, and he said to his mom, Mom, he didn't say mom, but he said to John, John, take care of my mother. And he, he said to his mother, Mother, John will, will watch over you. Don't forget, I still love you. And love changes everything. 
And so even in that moment where the pain of grief became so overwhelming, there was still hope. And three days later, as Mary went to that tomb, and it was empty, and Jesus, her son, was alive, that love began to flow in such a powerful way that that love began to change the world. It's a love that never ends. Now, all this is great about Mary, but this is what I want you to hear. So if you've fallen asleep, wake up now, because this is the part I really want you to hear. Okay, this is the important part. Okay, this is all great for Mary, but this is what I want you to hear. I want you to hear, first of all, that Jesus loves you eternally. And he proved that on the cross, and that will never change. No matter what happens in your life, God through Jesus Christ showed his love for you that will never end. You can hang on to that love and that love will change your life if you're willing to allow that love to guide your life. Second thing I want you to see is that if you allow, if you experience that love of God, that unconditional love, then you will see that nothing is impossible. And Mary's standing there and I hear, I hear the angel say to Mary, nothing is impossible. But he proved it by saying, hey, and even Elizabeth is already pregnant and she's going to have a baby. And you see, there's impossible things happening all around us as God works in our lives. And as we share those things, we begin to see if it's true for this person, it's possibly true for me. And the truth of the matter is, if you really feel loved, then you're willing to take that step. And try it out. Because in love there's that safety. It's going to be okay. You see it doesn't matter. Even if you fail God still loves you. Did you know that? You ever step out in faith. And, and have it crash in front of you? I have. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try sharing my faith with this person. And, and I, I go to him. I, I remember one time in. In uh, high school, it's kind of embarrassing, but I'll share it anyway. I remember one time in high school, uh, this kid came up to me and he needed some milk money. And I, I always got milk money for the week, so I had milk money for every day. And, but this guy, needed, he said, I'll have the money for you tomorrow. I said, sure, okay. And I thought, I, Jesus would have me do this. That's, you know, it's before, what would Jesus do? But that was my thought. Uh, I'll be like Jesus. I'll, I'll give him the money. And he said he'd pay me back the next day. So the next day was Friday. I was out of milk money. And so I, I went to him and I said, hey, do you have money for me for milk? And he said, why would I have money for you for milk? And I thought, wait, God, so I, I had to go without milk. <laughs> Yeah, one, two, three. Thank you. <laughs> and the point being is, I thought, man, I'm acting like Christ. I'm trying to be Christ-like. Where's the blessing? Right? If you're going to be Christ-like, you're going to be blessed. I fell flat on my face, and then I was mad, and I wanted to fight him, and, you know, all that stupid stuff goes on in high school, drama, big time. And, and then I realized, you know, only milk and God still loves me and this guy doesn't know anything about love and, and though I felt like I failed God had taught me something really powerful I'm loved and, and finally it, if we're going to be a part of this kingdom of eternal love 
and experience this love, um, we, we've got to start sharing it, folks. We really got to love one another. And, and even when the other person is unlovely, you, you see, there are times when we're unlovely and God still loves us. Doesn't he call us to love each other? Isn't that what Christmas is about? The incredible gift of God's love for us? Where God was willing to come in the form of a human and die on our behalf and show us what true love is all about, how we're willing to give, how we're willing to sacrifice our lives if we're truly loved and if we're willing to love? Can't we love each other? I think we can. And then the world will see what Christmas is really all about. And we can begin to speak love to those who, are, who know not love and who are afraid of love and who have been hurt when they've tried to love. And we can show them a love that never ends. You know, when you think about that present you got, now, this may not be true for all of you, but I just have this idea that my guess is what made that present special was less the present and more who it came from. And if it came from someone who loves you, it automatically becomes a special gift. And because it's a special gift, you immediately accept it and use it in your life. You see, that's why Mary was able to say, may it be to me as you have said. Are you able to say that? Do you sit in a place where you are so loved that you would trust God wherever he would call you to go, whatever he would call you to do? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you for our time together and for your love for us. Teach us, Lord, to love one another like you love us, that the world might see you this Christmas day. Teach us to love those who are our neighbors and our friends. Teach us to love those who are our enemies, that the world might see who you really are, how your love does change everything. This morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would fill us so much with your love that we would be ready in an instant to do whatever you call us to do, that we might begin to see the miracle of impossibilities become possible as your love flows through us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.